Hello, bookworms, and welcome to Oh, for the Love of Books. This show gives you information from the books I've read or ones you suggest for me to read. I'm your host, Jessica Vickery, and thank you for joining me. Here are the next three books in the Black Dagger Brotherhood. Book number four is Lover Revealed. Butch O'Neill is a fighter by nature, a hard-living ex-homicide cop. He's the only human ever to be allowed in the inner circle of the Black Dagger Brotherhood. And he wants to go even deeper into the vampire world. To engage in the turf war with the lessers. He's got nothing to lose. His heart belongs to a female vampire. An aristocratic beauty who's way out of his league. If he can't have Marissa then at least he can fight side by side with the brothers. Fate curses him with the very thing he wants. When Butch sacrifices himself to save a civilian vampire from the Slayers, he falls prey to the darkest force in the war. Left for dead, he's found by a miracle, and the Brotherhood calls on Marissa to bring him back. But even her love may not be enough to save him. Butch came about after his mother, Odell O'Neill, had an affair with a vampire doctor. He was raised human alongside his five siblings. However, his stepfather, Edward O'Neill, suspected Butch was not his. Mr. O'Neill also seemed to suspect or know that the reason his wife drifted away from him was because of the affair. Consequently, his stepfather blamed him for it all and emotionally and physically mistreated him his entire life. He spent most of his youth being beaten and berated by his stepfather. When he was 12 years old, he was the last person to see his 15-year-old half-sister, Janie O'Neill, alive before she unwisely got into a car with some boys. Later, she was found dead behind his school, beaten, raped, and strangled. In memory of her, he tattoos tally marks on his lower back every time a year passes, feeling particularly responsible for what happened. After Janie O'Neill's death, his stepfather stopped hitting him, believing that he initially lured Janie into the car in order to get revenge on his abusive father because Janie was his favorite. In order to protect his remaining children, Eddie stopped hitting him and was weary of the boy. Consequently, his half-siblings weren't sure who was responsible for Janie's death. They noted their father's fear of him, so they kept him at an emotional distance. As a result, he was further isolated from the concept of family. This created an unfulfilled longing in him to belong somewhere and to someone who would really love him. His desires to be considered useful and to protect those who could not protect themselves led him into a career of law enforcement. Unfortunately, he also had a terribly bruised and battered sense of self-worth that ate away at him from the shadowy corners of his mind. This led to a vicious cycle of self-destructive behavior. He began drinking in his teens and became a scotch-swilling alcoholic as an adult. He sometimes snorted cocaine, 
and within a short period of time, and after joining the Caldwell police, he became jaded and devoid of motivation. He was known to rough up a suspect and relied upon his fists to handle most problems. He took pleasure where he could, and often having casual sexual encounters with women and taking no precautions to safeguard his health. It was around this time that he became involved with the Brotherhood, by accident. He had known Bath from work since she was a reporter at the time of the Caldwell Courier-Journal. He had become attracted to her, and while pursuing a relationship with her, he encountered wrath, and the accidental entanglement would change the course of his life forever. As he became involved with the Black Dagger Brotherhood, he meets Marissa, through Bath. They met several times and slowly built a relationship. Marissa's brother, Havers, is completely against it and conspires to keep them apart by having the staff work with him to derail his phone calls and messages to her. Despite his best effort, Butch can't seem to let her go and begins to display typical male vampire bonding traits, such as disproportionate aggression towards other males around her and lack of sexual desire for any other woman. He even produces the bonding scent whenever she's around, something of which a human should be incapable of. So Marissa, raised as an quintessential female of the Glymira. Marissa was raised virtually ignorant to sex. For 300 years, she never wore jeans. She wore corsets on a daily basis that was deemed proper by the Glymira. When she was younger, a mating with wrath was arranged. However, the only contact they really had was when they needed to feed because she was scared of him and he didn't want a relationship. When Wrath dissolved their marriage to mate Beth, he did his best to do so in a way that wouldn't harm her reputation. But the Glymeria is quick to assume the worst of a female, especially if to do otherwise would put a male in bad light. She quickly found herself shut out of polite society. While Butch recuperated from being a captive of the Lessening Society. She neglected to put on a hazmat suit and was exposed to the Omega's contamination inside Butch. Once Butch was a little more on his feet, Havers caught them in bed together and shortly afterwards kicked her out of the family home just before dawn. With nowhere else to go, she went to the Black Dagger Brotherhood as dawn was breaking finding the mansion via the blood Wrath had drunk from her for so long. Wrath and Beth immediately took her in and told her that she could live out the rest of her life at the mansion if she wanted. When it became apparent that the vampire race needed social services, Wrath put her in charge of developing those. She founded Safe Place in the house she intended to move into in order to achieve independence before she mated with Butch and moved into the pit. Book 5, Lover Unbound Ruthless and brilliant, vicious son of the bloodletter possessed a destructive curse and a frightening ability to see the future. As a preteens growing up in his father's war camp, he was tormented and abused. As a member of the Brotherhood, he has no interest in love or emotion only the battle with the lessening society. 
but when a mortal injury puts him into the care of a human surgeon, Dr. Jane Whitecomb compels him to reveal his inner pain and tastes true pleasure for the first time, until a destiny he didn't choose takes him into the future that cannot include her. Vicious was born to the scribe virgin in the bloodletter. He is estranged from his mother, who has been forced to give him up after his birth and had no part in his raising. As part of the agreement with the bloodletter, the scribe virgin turned her son over to the bloodletter when he was just three years old. The deal required him to stay with his father for 300 years after the first three of his life. There, he was starved, beaten, and deprived of even the most basics of comfort, such as books. Prior to his transition, he had a vision of a young male in camp dying. A week later, the male from his vision died as predicted, and the superstitious camp grew suspicious of him. During his transition, none of the females would willingly feed him, too afraid to come near him in the belief that he'd been possessed by spirits. The bloodletter asked him if he'd been the one to kill the preteens from his vision and V lied in confirmation, desperate for blood. It is apparent that Jane suffered from a cold and strict upbringing when her parents even controlled what food she was allowed to put salt on. When she was 15, her dad told her that it was a good thing she was smart because of her looks, she wouldn't marry particularly well. While playing with a Ouija board, the night of her 13th birthday, it tells her the man she'll marry's name is Vicious. That same night, she sees the ghost of her sister, Hannah, and doesn't know that she had died at the age of 10. In the morning, Jane learns that Hannah had died of congenital heart failure. At the funeral, instead of crying, she threw up the oatmeal she was forced to eat every morning and a church lady drove her home where she spent the rest of the day alone. Her mother grew even more distant and cold while her father threw himself into his work, both of them carrying on as if nothing had happened. Both of her parents died in a plane crash on the way to a medical conference in 1997. Devastated by Hannah's sudden death, Jane was driven to go into medicine and found her calling in the trauma department. She passed the New York Medical Boards, which qualified her to work for St. Francis Hospital, where she worked under Dr. Manuel Manello, the chief of surgery and chief of the trauma department. Early in their working relationship, Manny had been attracted to her, although she didn't return the feeling. After the altercation, Vicious is brought into St. Francis in critical condition and Jane was the attending physician. The unique physiology of vampires fascinated her. She died in 2007. Since her spirit remains on earth and can interact with others, even taking on a solid corporal form when she concentrates and wills it, she will not age. Since the scribe virgin faded away, Jane will not pass into the fade. The current emergency room doctor for the Black Dagger Brotherhood, Jane extended the PT room into a clinic with a set of three hubs that serves as both treatment bays and surgical units. Book number six, 
lover enshrined. Fiercely loyal to the Black Dagger Brotherhood, Fury has sacrificed himself for the good of the race, becoming the male responsible for keeping the Brotherhood's bloodlines alive. As primal of the Chosen, he is to father the sons and daughters who will ensure that the traditions of the race survive and that there are warriors to fight those who want all vampires extinguished. As his first mate, the Chosen Kermaya wants to win not only his body but his heart for herself. She sees the emotionally scarred male behind all his noble responsibility. But while the war with the lesser society grows more grim and tragedy looms over the Brotherhood's mansion, Fury must decide between duty and love. Fury is Zadist's twin brother, younger by three minutes. After his brother was kidnapped as an infant, his mammon withdrew into herself and his father went searching for Zadis, finding only dead ends. His father returned and drowned himself in alcohol. His mother rarely left her room, and she never touched him. Not even a hug. Feeling that he only served as a reminder of what was lost, he did his best to go unnoticed. As soon as he transitioned, he left to look for Zadis. His mother didn't even look at him when he told her and he left a note for his father, who was passed out on the floor. The wizard made his first appearance when he left. After searching for a hundred years, he found Zadist and freedom in 1898. During the escape, he was forced to shoot the lower half of his leg off. In the early 1930s, he nearly died of a fever, and Zadis went to Wrath for help. Subsequently, the brothers were indoctrinated, into the Black Dagger Brotherhood in 1932. For a while, he was enamored of his twin brothers, Shellen, Bella, and punished himself for what he thought was inappropriate feelings. His self-destructive spiral led to his decision to take Vicious's place as the primal. Due to a vow of celibacy, he was a virgin until just before he mated Cormaya. She was also the first female he ever fed. After getting kicked out of the Black Dagger Brotherhood over his drug addiction, he overdosed on heroin and subsequently got kicked out of the mansion. He sobered up after that and started going to recovery meetings, broke the traditions to allow the Chosen to choose their own lives and paved the way for the Brotherhood to accept worthy males, regardless of lineage. In late September, early October 2008, a little over a month after getting clean, he mated Cormaya. The same night as the celebration of Nala's first 24 hours of life, he splits his time between the Brotherhood and Caldwell and the Chosen at the Adirondacks Great Camp. Against her will, Cormaya was the primary Chosen for the ceremony when Fury took on the role of Primal, and until then, she had never even seen a male. Between that and the cruelty of the directrix, she was terrified. Fury refused to take her against her will and took her to the mansion, where she had the difficulty adjusting to all the sensory input that the sanctuary lacked. As time went on, she began to develop an individual personality and opinions, notions that are sinful according to the tenets of the chosen. Worse, she wanted Fury all to herself instead of sharing him with her sisters. 
At first, she kept him on a pedestal because of the way the Chosen revered the Brotherhood and the Primal. When the position of first mate goes to Layla, Gramaya returns to the sanctuary and becomes a sequestered scribe, living alone in a single room where she won't have to see Fury every day. But when he goes into withdrawal as he's detoxing, Kermaya has to take care of him while Layla covers for him. After he's sober and still upset about the constraints of their roles, she tells him that he has the power to change everything. Fury takes what she says and approaches the scribe virgin with the proposal. Set the chosen free to live their lives as they choose and allow males of worth into their brotherhood regardless of lineage. Kermaya and Fury made exclusively, and now they guide the Chosen as they discover themselves and the real world. Thank you for spending time with me today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Feel free to leave a review and subscribe to my show. Thank you again, and remember, dream big and keep reading.